Hello, and welcome to the One Million Cups Fargo podcast. One Million Cups is a free, nationwide, weekly program created by the Kauffman Foundation in 2012 and is designed to educate, engage, and connect entrepreneurs. One Million Cups is organized in 35 states across the country, and the Fargo, North Dakota chapter is one of the most active and largest in the nation. This week's presentation is brought to you by Fargo Fashion Week. This week, we heard presentations from two moguls in the fashion industry here in Fargo. Our first speaker is Gunel Husanova from Mainstream Boutique. Gunel has a master's degree in international relations from University of Strasbourg, France, and is a new American living here in Fargo. Let's listen to her story and how she became an entrepreneur. Thank you. Hi, I'm Gunel. And so one of my New Year resolutions was giving a public speech, but I wasn't expecting it would happen so soon. <laughs> so thank you for giving me this opportunity to share my story. And I told my son yesterday, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous. So this is what he told me. Mom, just go and tell everything you know about your store and just be proud of yourself. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do today. So Mainstream Boutique, if you haven't been to Mainstream Boutique, we're located on 45th Street and 32nd Avenue, just west of Tavern Grill and Hair Success Salon and Spa. So about a year and a half, about a year and a month ago, I became the owner of Mainstream Boutique, which is a franchise, okay. Yeah, which is a franchise with over 80 locations across the nation. And when I went to training to Minneapolis, I visited some mainstream stores, and I liked that every store was different and unique in its own way, because the owner decides like, uh, what to bring and how to present her store and also add her own taste. So why I decided to be in fashion business? Many people who think because I lived in France before I moved to Fargo, and France is a center of fashion, and that's where it comes from. But really, my story is different, and I'd like to share it with you today. So when I was 12 years old, I got diagnosed with scoliosis, which is a spine deformity. And I had a severe case. So my back was really curved and twisted, and shopping was really hard. It was a torture for me, because it was so hard to find clothes that would fit me. So my mom was amazing. She had a great taste and she knew which outfits to pick for me that would make me feel better. And that's when I started to believe in the power of a good outfit. How clothes can change you? How can they make you to feel totally different person? At the same time, I wished there were stores where I could go and share my anxiety, share my story, like to have this connection and to be able to trust. So when, I, so when I bought this store, I wanted to create such an environment, welcoming, warm environment. And our goal is not, not to make women to f feel good, to, f to look good, but also feel good about herself. So we want every woman who comes to our store to feel that she fits in, no matter her body shape, size, her look. And we love building relationships with our customers. We love to hear to their stories. And we, uh, there are many different stories to share, but 
here's the one of them. I had a woman, she was on her way to work, and she told me she she doesn't like uh, what she's wearing and she doesn't want to go to work like that. So I helped her to find a top and then we added a necklace. And the moment she steps out of the fitting room, I could see in it in her eyes like how she was happy. She felt more confident and more motivated to go to work. So for me, success in this business is not only about sales numbers, but also to be able to make a difference in someone's life. Thank you. And talking about success, so one of the best decisions was moving store to a new location, to more growing and vibrant area. And also I wanted to be close to other local shops who are really supportive of each other. And they welcomed me from day one and we partner for events. But also my journey hasn't been without challenges. And one of the biggest challenge for me as a local store owner is competing with online retailers, which we're trying to do by boosting our online presence through Facebook and Instagram. We have customers who buy through social media. And that also, the selling through social media helps us to still be able to, to interact with customers. When they ask questions, we can help them with the fit. We can help them to find the right outfit. Like one of our top customers, she she lives out of town and she's never been to our store, but she's watching our page and she always asks for we help her to find outfits. And the thing is, I know a lot about that woman, even if I've never met met her. Like I know about her family, her daughter, her grandkids. I know what she's been through. So I believe the human interaction will prevail. And even if I boost my online sales, I'd be happy to see my customers face to face. I would like to be able to to help them in store, to help them to find out and style them. And to end my presentation, I I would like to share this message from one of local boutiques here in town. And I ask for their permission to use this. I think this is a great message. And I would love to encourage everyone to shop local, shop small. When you have a choice, please uh, choose local, choose small. If you have to shop online, make us your first choice. And I know we, we will only succeed through strong support of our community. And thank you. Our next speaker is Laura Morris from Others, a boutique in Fargo that focuses on ethically made clothing and products. She received a Doctor of Pharmacy from North Dakota State University and currently practices at Dakota Clinic Pharmacy during the day. Let's listen to Laura's thoughts on what she calls slow fashion. All right, I like what Gunnell had said about the impact of fashion on the consumer. And what I'm here to talk to you about today is how every boutique in Fargo has a little bit different focus and how um, you know, each focus matters in our community and how you can support that. Our focus at others is slow fashion. So um, there we go. All right, so today um, 
the main theme is that fashion affects everybody. Whether you are somebody who works in the industry or you showed up today because you look fantastic in your outfit and you want to promote a big fashion initiative or you are a volunteer in a One Million Cups t-shirt, every single person in here today put on clothing, which is a good thing for all of us. Um, and so we wake up every day, we make an emotional decision. You know, fashion speaks a lot about what we care about. It talks about where we're going, how we feel, what the weather is, and it, it really affects all of us. It also connects all of us. And there are a lot of problems with it as well. So in today's landscape, the fashion industry has changed dramatically. It's changed quickly. We have um, basically big businesses trying to get a higher turnover. So they're cutting costs, they're cutting time, they're looking for you know as much in as much product in your hands as they can get. And in order to do that, then we're you know we're cutting corners. Ninety-five percent of our fashion was produced in. United States just in the 60s, now it's less than 3%. And we're having to do a lot of overseas interactions and it's really decreasing the visibility, the accountability, and we're making really quick decisions in terms of you know, how we can get as much into people's hands. But what is the impact of that? First of all, huge environmental impact. Um, We've got consumption that's increased by 500% since the 90s. We wear four times, or we have four times more clothing in our closets than our parents had at our age. So there's really just a lot more. And these decreasing costs, it makes us believe that we, you know, we're saving money, but in reality, we just have so much more, it's just of a lesser quality. So then where does that end up going? Of course, um, you know, you can see from this little chart, the top is all about this booming industry, all these people impacted, dollars happening, and then the bottom shows kind of the reality of we've got a lot of waste. We've got, you know, billions of tons of, of textiles going into landfills. That's, you know, impacting our, our planet, which in turn impacts us. We've got the runoff into the water system, so oceans are affected, our food systems are affected by different fibers and chemicals, and, you know, with that, the, the food system topic really lends me into the next impact, which is the humanitarian impact. And I think one of the most disappointing pieces to me about fashion is that in today's knowledge-heavy world, you have a lot of people that know the food system impact, and they, they know if the chicken that they're eating in front of them was you know, created in a cage-free environment or not, and yet at the same time they'll buy clothing overseas where there's just a forgotten person there who's actually in slavery to make to make that piece of clothing. So I think it's just one of those things that's really eye-opening when you look at the fact that the humanitarian impact, there's an estimated 40 million people that are in slavery today. We hear a lot about sex slavery and how terrible that industry is. Absolutely, we've got a lot of our um, brands that we work with that are tackling that. Sex slavery is actually 12.5% of the estimated human slavery percentage today. 50% is actually labor slavery. And that in part has a lot to do with how we're producing our clothes, how we're buying our clothes, and what we're speaking out as to what matters for us. Um, production is swarming with labor slavery, with gender inequality, child labor, and we do all know this. And you know, I, I think of myself in this story, and it's kind of an unlikely journey, really, that I'm even standing here talking to you. Um, I'm just a, another gal from Fargo who you know, was really passionate about my family, my friends, my community, love my career. I love peanut butter, I love personality tests. I'm just, you know, a, just, just another gal in Fargo. Um, pursued pharmacy, a totally different degree, but I did continually hear over and over about these sorts of things, and honestly, it did not resonate for much longer than I would probably like to, to share. We've got teenagers coming into this store that know all about sustainability and fast fashion and fair trade, and I'm just so impressed by our community and the steps that we've taken, because when I was growing up here, this wasn't really something that was talked about. 
Um, let's see here. I feel like I have 30 minutes to fit into six. <laughs> so, so yes, in the end, it led to the, the creation of others. When you walk in, you see this just kick-ass boutique in the heart of downtown Fargo. It's exciting. You are compelled to want to buy everything in there. And then when you're looking at the messaging on the walls and connecting with the people in the store, you're finding that there's a bigger story here. It's all about slow fashion. Um, we, we have what we call the double give back. So every item in our store has a story of giving back. So it's either a company that is focused on um, production free from sweatshops or giving back to the environment, donation of proceeds, buy one, give one, fair trade, all, all those buzzwords that are really exciting. Every single product in there has a story. There's messaging attached with it makes for really great gifts, also makes for really you know, great statement pieces when you're, you're out and someone compliments you on your outfit, you can share a little bit additional there. And then the second piece of giving back is that we donate all store profit. So for us, it's not about the financial profit, it's about the, the impact to a community. So when talking about business today, we would be classified as a social enterprise where we, so we, do, we donate all of our profit, but we're not a 501c3 nonprofit. We're a business that wants to be sustainable and um, not ask for donations and just create this cycle of a, a really healthy business, but one that's built on a social impact and creating a, a better planet that we want to live in, better community as well. Um, yeah, and our, really our joy, or our aim is just to keep shopping joyful, keep it easy, take the stress out of this you know, big, terrible, looming picture that I've <laughs> painted for you. And, and keep it just so that we're doing good while we're also, you know, having, having fun. So um, solution, really, we, we view that as looking toward the future and seeing that now more than ever, the power lies within the hand of the consumer. And we've got, you know, all sorts of businesses making decisions, but how, how they dictate their operations is really based on how, what we say that we want, you know, who's going to be the next big fashion brand to explode. That's based on who we're supporting and what we're saying that we want to see. First thing that we can do then is just to take better care. We can buy better things that we love more. We can make them last longer. And then when it takes, when we get to that point of you know, wanting to buy something new, just going slower. So knowing the brands that you're working with, maybe trying secondhand or you know, looking on social media, it's actually pretty darn easy to find these brands that exist in these stores that promote these brands. You know, connecting with them, following them on social, sharing their message, asking them questions, and supporting them with your dollar, like Gunnell was saying, is really important. If you want something to exist, show up. We can also have better conversations. I am probably one of the chattiest people in most circles that I'm in, and I just really believe in the power of conversation to change things. I think it impacts us in the moment, and then also when we walk away, what we think of and what we speak on. We can have conversations with these brands, with social media connecting us to them. It's, it's really so easy, you know. You can um, reach out on Instagram or Facebook by their websites. You can connect with local leaders in sustainability and fashion, attend events. We've got a ton of great groups in town. Our, my whole team at Others is super passionate about a lot of different things. There's Fargo Fashion Week, which I think is great. We've got Fashion Revolution Week right around the same time, which Fashion Revolution Week is all about slow fashion and knowing who made your clothes. And really, when it comes to conversations, I think it's all about redefining your viewpoint, your perspective, what it is that matters to you, and the power and the meaning that fashion can hold in your life, regardless of where that lands. Staying curious, getting involved. Um, I think the more you dive in, the more you know. It just, it's really exciting, because you realize that those small decisions you make every day actually add up to, a, I mean, truly a, a, better, a better place for all of us to live. And then also, just in chatting with the brands, if you don't know where or how something was made, ask them, because that's actually an answer that they all have. And it's something that we should all know. It's actually not even that hard to find out. We've got a bunch of brands that hand sign 
Um, the, the maker hand signs the product, so whoever made your clothing hand signs it. Some of them you can go online, you can find their picture, you can write them a thank you note, and you know, see how you're lifting them up through proper job creation instead of, instead of the negative connotation surrounding it. And lastly, just demanding better, I think, is, is probably the best way that we can move this forward when it comes to transparency and accountability. All the way down the chain, um, we've got all these negative consequences, but I think it's actually something that's quite misunderstood by the consumer and by the brands and by the you know, designers and producers. And so when you look at the big picture, businesses and governments, they really do have the power to create these changes and implement them. Um, enforcing it's not that hard, it's just the fact that it takes a little bit of work and they're gonna stand on the sidelines until they've got you know, a, a really big demand from the citizenship. So for us to speak out and say, hey, we wanna see this, I think we will, we will see the natural change, we already are. Um, I'm looking at the time here, there's a lot of barriers, we probably can't go through all those right now today. I'd love to chat further if anybody wants to reach out. But the big thing about these barriers is that they're not actually all that intimidating. There is a lot of work being done and small steps make a giant lasting impact. And so then in closing, I guess I would just say, um, you know, fashion, it connects all of us. It affects all of us as well. And, you know, it, we want to keep it as something that just easily showcases who we are, our individuality, our creativity, but also what we stand for. And so, you know, instead of pointing a finger at a brand or a government, which is an easy thing to do, I think it all starts with us, the consumer, and realizing, hey, I need to learn a little bit more you know, maybe ask some questions, connect with people. Um, you know, the truth is that we've outsourced so much of our lives. So taking that responsibility back into our hands and saying, hey, this is something I care about, something I want to see, and just moving forward in that direction. Thank you. After our speakers' presentations, we took some time for Q&A with the audience to dive deeper into their stories. This week's session was hosted by Alexandra Martin, the editorial director at Spotlight Media here in Fargo. Let's take a listen. So I'm going to kick off our Q&A session with like a selfish question because that's, you know, if I get to host this, I'm going to ask my own questions. Uh, <laughs> so... I know opening a store is a big undertaking. It's not just you wake up one day and you open, you've got inventory, you've got to get a location, you've got to decorate the location, so it's not just an empty box. I guess, what is what was the most difficult part of just starting it for both of you? Um, for me, it's the fact that I have zero expertise in <laughs> the fashion industry. I have a lot of experience in the retail industry, being in retail pharmacy, and I think that was, that was fine, understanding how a business works and operates. A lot of fashion boutiques, I think that's probably the, the toughest part. They know how to source the product. For me, it was getting that handle on how to source the product, how to connect with vendors, and then how to kind of scale it from there and move into the right location and the right demographic. But that's all fun, so it was really an exciting learning curve. Okay, um, so for me, yeah, I didn't have retail experience before, but I know because it's franchise, I get support from franchise. I think the hardest part for me is like being ready, being like to believe in myself. And what helped me, it's having someone who believed in me, emotional support, which is my husband. He is here, actually. But he has a class, so he has to go and teach his class. But he wanted to be here to support me. Yeah, so that was the hardest part, to believe in myself and believe that I can do it. Mm -hmm. Just made me realize my husband's here, and he's not supposed to be here. So yay, husband. <laughs>
Well, I know I could ask questions all day, but I'm going to open it up to the audience. Since if anyone has a question, Daniel will come by and with the mic. Hello. Very nice job, both of you. Um, you, you mentioned that uh, your new location is in an area where there are, are some other local shops and that was an important thing for you. And I know downtown we have a lot of local, um, very unique uh, shops as well. Uh, tell me a little bit about um, either what you do to, to work together for events, getting, getting the word out that, that there's you know, special things, you know, small business Saturdays or things like that. Um, or, or maybe some of the challenges of, of having a, you know, a, a small staff and to try to do some of that marketing. So I, I'm a part of Blue Water Greek Association. All the businesses in this area, we, we have meetings. Like when we have events, we'll meet like every two weeks, every week. And when I just moved two weeks later, we had this big like Blue Bash event and it was amazing. Like that was our biggest day. And yeah, it's great, and we, I mean, I still go visit them, and we have great relationship, relationships, we support each other, and it's good to learn from each other. Yeah, and, well, having, yeah, I don't, I have only three employees, but, yeah, putting events together, I think also I get a help from franchise, but, yeah, like being, uh, those meetings, also working with other owners helps a lot. I agree. I think the more that we can all overlap and support one another, it creates an experience. And we're really in an experience-driven time. Everybody's looking for something a little bit more unique and something that can create, you know, a few hours instead of just like a, a one-stop shop sort of sort of a scenario. We've got an association downtown as well, a partnership between all of the businesses. We meet mm -hmm. monthly and seasonally and we talk about all these big events and um, we're really happy to be downtown in an area where there's a lot happening because any day that you come to the area, there's many places to go, many things going on. There's music, there's coffee, there's treats, there's you know discounts and all sorts of different events you can follow. And I do think as a community member too, as Gunel was saying, those are some of our biggest days. We actually build our budget around them and they they really matter to us in in terms of our teams seeing that this is an exciting thing that people believe in and support and so um i know you know it's fargo so the weather is obviously something that dictates a lot of our movement and when those big days fall on a funky weather day i would encourage you to to please continue to come out and support because those are some of our, our biggest efforts and initiatives and it's just really exciting and powerful in terms of our our overall ability to sustain too yeah, so I've got a question from Twitter here from Scott. Um, first off, do we have anybody from NDSU's fashion department here? Awesome. Thank you guys for being here. So his question is around um, what can the fashion design program at NDSU and the university in general, what can they do to help your boutiques and move the fashion industry towards slow fashion? In terms of slow fashion, we've had some great partnerships with you ladies already, thank you, and she has had us speak in some classes. Um, I guess I would say the more that we can overlap and just spread a mission of any kind to a captive audience is wonderful. So when we have different you know, weeks and events and um, things going on, just connecting together and staying affiliated in all of the different missions and discussion points that we're talking on. If you've got someone there that's interested in fashion, let's make sure that they know every realm of fashion so that they're truly coming out of NDSU as an expert in their field. 
And we would love to be a part of any of that, always. And we would love to partner with Fable. And <clears throat> I'm looking for Instagram influencers. So if anyone is interested, so come and talk to me after this. Yeah, so I've got another question from Twitter. This one comes from Randy Schatz. Can you explain the difference more between slow fashion? So explain slow fashion. Um, t- talk more about it, what the difference is between slow and fast fashion. Sure. Um, so fast fashion is fast slow fashion is slow um, but but it, no it's a very good question um, so fast fashion is all about you know changing your look as quickly as you can to show off as many styles as you can um, with that then you you hear people that will say oh I wore that to a wedding I can't wear that again and so basically the difference there is that you know when you're turning things over so quickly you're just creating more waste and more production and um, and that's where a lot of that the harmful pieces come from is in the excess in making something really quickly and and how that impacts people you know you can't treat people fair and well if you're if you're buying a shirt for fifteen dollars you should not be buying that shirt because when you think of all the hands that have touched it from the time that it's being designed implemented created shipped you know, even just in our store, the data entry, the labeling, it's, it's really just discounting the, the human process to it. So slow fashion is recognizing the fact that humans are touching every piece. You cannot make an item of clothing without human hands. You can't. You can't do stitching without human hands in the way that or a machine can't do it 100% on its own. So realizing that there are humans involved, we are all connected, we're creating jobs, we're implementing individuality and using fashion in positive ways, just kind of slowing down and looking at those pieces rather than just thinking cheap, cheap, cheap. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes you, well actually, you nearly always are going to get a higher quality product that's gonna last longer. You're gonna be able to wear it multiple times and speak on it and have something that you really love versus just something that looked quick in a one-time photo and I think that speaks volumes too about who who we are and what we stand for. Hi, it's good to have you both here. Um, I wanted to ask you a question, mostly as you both talked about your businesses, you talked a bit about um, thinking about the vendors that you work with, where you source your product, but also about creating an experience for your customers. I'm curious a bit about the experience of employees and how Partly, I'm just curious about some of the the baseline facts of whether you focus mostly on using part-time labor, um, and have you had a hard time attracting, maintaining good employees, and how do you try to make the experience good for the employee as well? Okay, so yeah, I think that one of the challenges also for me was building my team because I wanted to have people who not only have like great customer service skill or sales skills. I wanted someone to be able to call my team with whom I will have, like we have this positive energy. And I'm happy now I have three employees and they're amazing, they're positive and they believe in my mission, in our mission, they believe in our vision. Yeah, and I'm happy I was able to do that. Definitely mission-based, I think really matters a lot for a team just to be chasing a shared goal. Um, we do have some core team members. We also use a lot of part-time staff just because there's weekends and it's retail. There is higher turnover. So it is usually kind of just it operates better when you've got multiple people that you can kind of shift schedules between. Um, I think for us, the biggest thing is that mission that we're chasing and connecting in that and all growing together in our own unique ways. I mean, I've got the team we have right now, I agree, it's just phenomenal. I am 
you're there primarily. I'm not there primarily, so I really lean on my team. And um, it's difficult to find the right people, but once you find them, I think if they can latch onto what it is that you're all about and really get connected, yeah, we, we try to keep them for as long as we can. Sounds good. Do we have any more questions from the audience? Good deal. All right. Well, let's just go ahead and wrap up with our final question of the day, which is all of us here as a community, what can we do to help support you two as business owners? Um, for us, I know it's just sharing that we exist and then diving deeper into what it is that we're doing. It's always remarkable to me. In fact, I want to ask what I'll let you, you know, keep your anonymity in this. Um, <laughs> the, the number of people that have heard of us or not and those who have visited or not in our community we have had wonderful wonderful features from a lot of people in media who have shared on you know tv and in print and basically in every realm of media we've had just a lot of love shown and spread our way and we're so thankful for that and yet the number one thing that i'm surprised by is when i'm chatting with anyone in the community they've often you know not heard of us or they didn't know what it was that we did or they popped in and you know we've got all these postings all over for what we're doing, but it, it, the message gets missed. And so for us, the very, very most important thing is to just spread that, that message. Obviously, yes, supporting with your dollars, that is what we are, how we're able to exist. But anytime that you like somebody, a post or a business, if, if you aren't already following, it's others shop, two S's in a row. Um, there's also Fashion Revolution FM, which is a movement that a lot of our team members are very passionate about. You know, engaging with social media posts, sharing them, taking a friend shopping with you and talking about what it is that we're doing, um, just kind of asking questions, showing up to events. That is by far the biggest thing for our movement because to see a healthy movement that's generating a lot of exposure is what gets people excited about it. And that's how we explode these brands that are doing awesome work is by just sharing that message further and further. So any way you could do that, of course, as well as you know, shopping, that is so meaningful to us. Thank you. Okay, so the first thing you can do is follow us on Facebook and Instagram. It's Mainstream Boutique of Fargo. And if you check the post from yesterday where I shared one million cups, I, I'm doing giveaway. So I just ask people to share their fears. So I would love to hear from you. And yeah, just give us a like, comment, and share. It will help us a lot. And yeah, maybe one day you'll decide to visit. Thank you. All right, give it up for these ladies. That's it for this week's One Million Cups Fargo. Thanks for listening in. One Million Cups Fargo is powered by Emerging Prairie, an organization dedicated to connecting and celebrating the entrepreneurial ecosystem. We'd also like to thank the following sponsors for their support. Midco, the Fargo-Moorhead CVB, the FM Area Foundation, the City of Fargo, Pro Resources, and the Kilbourne Group. A special thank you to NDSU's The Nice Center for this week's audio. See you next time.